Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I am your host, Daniel Greer, and today we're back with Draft Talk. We have Ryan with us as well because I- I'm too dumb to give you all my information. So we bring him on here because he is the best, and he's literally the only person I could get. So you're stuck with us. Um, if you want to give a rate and review, feel free. Just don't be like the last guy. We're having a lot of fun. It's uh, We're getting so far into this that I'm kind of sad to see it going away. Like, we're, what are we, less than two weeks away at this point from the draft. And I'm really kind of sad that we're not going to keep breaking down these players after the next two podcasts. So this is the next to last one of breaking down the players in general before we actually give you our predictions on who we're going to take. Uh, But that whole week, draft week, is going to be absolutely loaded. We're going to have a show on Monday, which is going to be our predictions. Tuesday, we're going live on Spotify Live. And then Wednesday, we're going to give you some best bets. Ryan came up with that last episode. If you haven't checked out the last episode, go back and hit up all of them. The Memphis group, the shooters, the G League group. What else do we have? Is that it? Big man. The big the man was the last one. Yeah. So can't miss those guys. Uh, and if you're here for Walker Kessler, you need to tune in to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of fun. All right, Ryan, how jazzed are you to be talking about the off the radar draft risers? It's really fun to talk about off the radar draft risers who are now very much on the radar for the most part uh by now but it's still good to talk about them because there's a few guys who even though they've risen quote unquote there's a couple here that have probably fallen from where they first originally were so not falling off the bandwagon just quite yet but interested to talk about them for sure yeah 100 percent. and we're going to be hit on these uh these three guys that we have and those three are Daylon Terry out of Arizona, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, and then Wendell Moore Jr. out of Duke. So we're going to hit on those three. And those are guys that they might not be the, I guess, the household names, but they're also, like Ryan said, they are coming up the draft board 100%. And you did not hear of Daylon Terry and Jalen Williams literally three weeks ago, I don't think. Like, they were the guys who are starting to move up and up and up, and we've been watching a lot of them, and so uh, we're all in on these three guys. And so I told you before that one of my prediction, I believe, will come out of this group when it comes to the prediction episode that's coming out the Monday of the draft because I really do think that the Grizzlies have a chance to draft one of these guys, and these will be one of my favorites. So I'm just going ahead and giving it away, and I'm going to spoil it, except for I'm not going to give you everything. Come on. Who, what, what kind of podcast is this if I'm going to give you my guy? <laughs> not, not doing it. All right. So let's go with Dalen Terry out of Arizona first. Ryan, give me what you got. 
Yeah, so let me start off. You're going to have to bear with me for a second because I wanted to read a scouting report written about him. So I know this will feel like cheating, but I want to see if you will actually agree from your research that you've done on Dalen. So kind of follow me here and see if this feels like the right description of Dalen's game. All right. Um, Dalen has excellent size for a point guard. Slight frame, but uses his height to his advantage tremendously as a passer. He surveys the floor over the top of defenses and can make pinpoint passes to cutters and spot-up shooters. Bear with me. His best attribute from an NBA standpoint is likely his defense. He has quick feet, Mm. excellent instincts, and a scrappy nature, putting outstanding pressure on the ball. His instincts for getting into passing lanes and overall timing for making plays off the ball is extraordinary. Um, His anticipation skills are off the charts. He does it without gambling in passing lanes excessively. The biggest concern about his transition to the NBA revolves around his outside shooting. He is limited off the ball as a dribble shooter. His pull-up jumper is virtually non-existent at this stage as he sports a low and slow release on his shot and gets little to no elevation, which makes it difficult for him to create separation from defenders. Um, Would that be kind of how you think it? Do you think that is a fair description of um, Dale and Terry's game? Yeah, I I do. Uh, Like, so... Yes, it does suck about the the three-point shooting stuff, but that is the lowest part of his game. And it's not that he is a bad three-point shooter. In his first year, he was a 32% three-point shooter, and then he became a 36.4% three-point shooter. So he he went up, and he's you know average, right? He's not going to wow you with his three-point shooting, but that is by far the worst part of his game. But that doesn't mean... Like, his shot looks fine. He could easily bounce back and and with a lot of work he could actually uh, take a big step forward in that but yes I I do think that's pretty spot on yeah that's great you say that because this scouting report I misled you this scouting report is from 2015 was written by Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz which if you're an NBA draft guy these are the guys from ESPN and this scouting report was about DeLon Wright this is Mm. what every this is what Gavoni and Schmitz profiled DeLon Wright six years ago when he was heading into the draft. And because when I look at Dalen and I evaluate him, I see DeLon Wright and I just cannot get past it. Now, there's some things that aren't fair. Uh, Dalen Terry is a little bit taller than DeLon. He's also younger uh, DeLon Wright came into the NBA at 23 years old, a very old player. Um, and Dalen is, what, 19, about to be 20? So, in theory, the difference is DeLon's ceiling we probably already knew coming into the NBA of what he was going to be. And Dalen actually has room to grow. There feels like there is a higher ceiling. But... To me, their comparison of the build, the way that they played, the style, the 
question marks about the outside shooting everybody knows the defense will be fine and that's what delon wright has given other people right like he's been on the thing is he's been on six teams in six years in his nba career as an older player and most of his stuff has been maybe he's a slashing guard and he's gonna play defense like just ask the dallas mavericks um about that this past year with him so I don't, you know, we don't love to do direct comparisons to players, but Dalen Terry just screams, uh, Doral Wright and, or Delon Wright. And this is why I'm having a hard time, which I know he's popular right now among Grizzly circles as a guy that the Grizzlies absolutely want or should be targeting in the 20s. And I think the only reason that you would take him is that you believe that since he's three or four years younger than what um, DeLon Wright came into the league as, he's a little bit taller and wider, or wingspan's a little bit wider, um, you project that maybe there is a higher ceiling. We don't exactly 100% know what he's going to be, whereas we kind of knew with DeLon Wright what he was going to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that... That is good, and uh, shame on you for leading me the wrong way. But I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because that is a very good comp. And so I was doing a lot of digging as you were talking on DeLon Wright because, you know, back in 2018 and 19, DeLon Wright did play for the Memphis Grizzlies. And he has actually averaged the most points he's ever averaged in his career while he was in Memphis. And so. Is that a bad thing in your eyes that if you were to get him, and I'm going to take for granted because I, I know you well enough now that you wouldn't draft him at 22. <laughs> if he's there at no. 29, would you get him? I know that you can't actually tell who's on the board at this moment, but if he's on the board and you know, give or take you know the big names that didn't fall, but he's there in the mix of three or four guys that you're looking at, would you take him at 29? Yeah, I think he would be fine at 29. But here's the caveat with him, is that he's been reported to say that he was only staying in the draft if he was going in the first round. If not, he was going to go back to school. Well, so far, he's still in the draft. So I don't know what that tells you. I would assume that means he has really good intel, that he's not going to be at the end of the first round, that he's likely to be towards the middle, maybe early 20s. Uh, So I don't actually think he'll be there at 29. I actually think it's very possible that he's not even there at 22. Um, And I know it just seems like, I know it just seems like I just smacked him for being like DeLon Wright, but DeLon Wright was drafted 20th in that draft. And I think Dalen Terry, I think... The reason he would go in the mid to late teens to early 20s before the Grizzlies is because of that projectable role of what he's going to be, right? And, I mean, DeLon Wright is going to go 20th. Dalen seems to be maybe a little bit better version of DeLon, who has played six NBA seasons in, you know, spot roles for multiple teams. It's a draftable player that when you're getting into the mid teens or so you're just looking for some guy who can come in and plug and fill a role spot here and there so i would actually be surprised if he's there at 22 i would be shocked if he was there at 29 wow see i 
no way did I think that he would go before them. Like, I I, I kind of stumbled upon him not too long ago uh, when we were doing our draft prep, and I was just like, you know, I did not see him on mock drafts anywhere in the first round. And I randomly came across him in somebody's mock draft, and I was like, okay, there somebody is kind of catching wind. And that was, you know, three weeks ago. And so I'm curious how that's that's a big rise. And I know this is the draft risers, you know, pod, this is the part of that podcast, that group. But they would be crazy and nuts to me that to see him go into the 20s. But you're talking about a guy that six, seven can handle the ball like that's that's what you want, especially in a backup point guard. And that's what Delon Wright is, right? Like he is that guy. But you're talking about a backup point guard who would be really good for you and make your team really good, then that's kind of what the Grizzlies need. I love the fit here. I just I just don't know how he would go so early, but I get it because the shot is looking better from outside. But the the defense, the handles, the size, you know, everything that he could do to cover up a lot of areas that maybe if you do have shooting, you put him in and he could actually help your offense as a starter. I see people be enticed by that, especially these teams that have all these first-round picks. Like, that's crazy. The only problem is with that is you look at some of these teams that have these multiple first-round picks, they don't need point guards. You know, you're talking about the Spurs, OKC, unless there's something happens with OKC and they, you know, they get off of some of their players, then maybe. But at that point, I, I don't see it happening. So, I don't know. I, I, I do think a team like Denver, who is you know right ahead of the Grizzlies, I do think that they could actually grab somebody, so we'll see. But uh, but I'm interested. I'm hoping that maybe, just maybe, he's going to be there. Uh, is that all you have on Daylon Terry? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, he did improve. Now, here's another thing that I don't think is a fair comparison in the in regards to three point shot to Delon. I mean, Delon had like a 25 percent uh 25% from 3 his first year at Utah and then it jumped up to like 34 35%. Uh Dalen has started at a you know 31 or 32% and he improved to 36 or 37%. So the shooting is just starting at a better level than what Delon's was coming into the league. Um I certainly don't project Dalen to be like a mid 30s three-point shooter in the NBA for sure. I actually would not project him as a backup point guard. I think he's going mm. to be strictly a secondary playmaker. He's going to be a guy in the perimeter. And I think the biggest key for him is if he's going to attack, you know, closeouts on rotations and, you know, find cutters off of the initial actions. Um, but the reason he's going to stick around and be a good piece is when he's off ball and can hit those catch and shoot threes. And that's the thing I think is very hard to project from him because his shot does look a little stiff. It's long and slow, wind up with a big dip. So it's not it's not a quick release type shot like Zaire, right? And usually, you know, when you're off ball and you're trying to get those shots off, I mean, it's got to be decently quick. And his is kind of a, not a slow wind up, but it definitely is a wind up. So I see why the Grizzlies would want somebody versatile, guard one through three, most likely um attacking good passer i just feel like i've seen this story many times before 
for slender guards like this, and usually they kind of bounce around the league role players. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Um, I just think that he would fit the Grizzlies, especially in their short term right now. Like that that window is not going to be open forever, and I think the window is finally open to where they can compete at the highest levels. And I think solidifying your backup point guard at a low cost would be really good if he can fill that position. But like you said, he does, you know, he would play off the ball, but that also goes into the hand of being able to play off the ball with Jaw and also being long enough and good defensively to cover up Jaw to where Jaw can go on one of the, the worst you know, offensive players. So I don't know. There's a lot that I love about Dalen Terry with the Grizzlies. I don't know if I love him at the 22 spot. I know I love him at the 29 spot. And uh, the mock draft that the that we did with the lead, couldn't pass up on him. And so I took him at pick <laughs> 29. All right. So you know my love of him. This guy, I'm just as high on. And you put me on this guy. We're going to go with the guy out of Santa Clara, Jalen Williams. Yeah, this is this is my success story. This is no one's going to believe me for this, but when if you have kids, you understand, right? Like there's just going to be nights where you're up late. Something's going on, someone's stomach, you know, upset stomach, someone's crying, especially babies. Um and so sometimes you're just nocturnal. And so now it's kind of a habit for me now where I'm just nocturnal and I don't sleep really anymore. But when that happens during college basketball season, we get West Coast games here starting at 11 or midnight, and nobody's ever watching them, but this is how I first discovered Jalen Williams. It was a Santa Clara versus God knows who. Uh, I can't even remember who they were playing, and it started at 11 p.m. our time central, um, and thought, who's this kid? Uh, because he was... Basically, the entire offense for Santa Clara, he was directing everything, and his shooting was just, it screamed out the screen. And so that's what first put the, him on the radar for me as a potential sleeper for this draft. And then he goes to the combine and tests <laughs> fantastically, and now he's seems like a surefire first-round pick um, going potentially in the mid-teens. I mean, there might be somebody crazy enough to take this man in the lottery. It's possible. Uh, but this is one of those guys who's like the Kevin Herter effect with the draft combine. Some guys, the big question is, is they test and play and do stuff so well at the combine, everyone falls in love with them. But is there substance to back up that combine experience? Because... His measurements, I didn't give any measurements for Dalen Terry because, uh, you know, you know who DeLon Wright is. Um, you know his size, so I, I feel like it's not important. And he didn't do some of the stuff like the no-step vert and the uh, sprint for guards. But Jalen Williams did all this stuff. Seven foot, two and a quarter inch wingspan, which is like a condor. Like it's <laughs> massive. Um, 33 and a half inch no step vert very very respectable 3.11 second sprint which is blazing so I think what happened from all that is he tested extremely well on all of that and 
Then you combine in watching a game film and his offense creation. Potential to be a three-level scorer. He shows a very mature offensive game. Very controlled pace. You know, can go fast, slows down, but very under control. Catch and shoot threes to me are why you want this kid. There's just such an obvious role for what he's going to do. Here, stand on the wing, stand in the corner. I'm going to create first. I'm going to kick it to you. You either make this wide open three or you make this, you know, closeout challenge three or you attack the closeout and then you pass out of that. So there is a very projectable role for him where he could be an overqualified role player. I don't think he's ever going to be a go-to guy that's going to, you know, he should never be asked to create for someone. Um, But he is a guy who's like that Cam Johnson mold, right? Except more athletic. Like that is kind of the potential. Now he's not as big as Cam Johnson, but he's just a catch and shoot guy that you want who can also handle the rock, create, and actually pass. Uh, but the questions, of course, with all of these players, and I think this is why they were most players are deep sleepers or risers, is everyone's question mark is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. And that's basically most of the questions we have with every player we do in these draft analysis is what's he going to look like on defense? Who can he guard? And what does he project to actually be able to do? So. Um, on ball, he lacked a lot of engagement, really. Um, now, I didn't say that it was always where he did. He looked disinterested in playing man-to-man, um, but his length with his wingspan kind of saved him a little bit when his effort lacked. But I, th- I I'm going to give him a pass on that because his team was not very good. Um, so is some of that lack of defensive effort just because he's having to play 32 to 35 minutes on a bad Santa Clara team where he always has the ball. And if he's not creating or getting them or, or getting them a good shot, there's just nothing happening for them offensively. Um, so projecting him as a smaller role, I would expect him to actually give more effort on the defensive end. Right. And then you're also getting the plus, offensively so I give him a little pass on that because sometimes with that defensively it's like man do you really have the drive to compete every game you know 82 games is a lot for any NBA player especially a rookie and if you show that lack of kind of competitive drive to just take possessions or games off really in college where you're playing what 28 to 32 you can get a little concerned about going to an 82-game schedule. But I'm going to actually give him a pass because his team was so bad and he was asked to do so much. He can't play a full 40 minutes, balls to the wall, on offense and everything on them on defense. So I think he projects fine defensively. I'm not scared about it one bit. Um, But you're most tantalized, and the reason you want this guy is for the catch-and-shoot, spread-the-floor, um, and what he could be, be potentially as a help defender and a secondary um, attacker against closeouts. Would you classify him as a, probably a, a shooting guard, probably a two, maybe a three? Like, which position do you put him in? Is he solely like – I know the wing is a an yeah. answer, but is it the two? Yeah, I think – 
in an ideal situation, he's probably a two. Um, but I think with his wingspan and length, he could play the three and not get abused on defense. Um, so I, I think I would purely put him as a combo guard, to be honest with you. Um, combo guard, wing, whatever you want to call him, wing point. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but I think his best role is a two, but I believe he can definitely play some three if need be. Yeah, I was just looking at his numbers, and, you know, he had a, a decent freshman season. He shot 35% from three, but then the next year, I would imagine 2021, I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly what happened there, if that was COVID or what, but, you know, he 27%, so he took a big dip, but then he jumped back up the next season, 21-22, and had roughly 40% from three. So he is a decent three-point shooter, and obviously that will develop, but mainly you're getting him because he's got some wiggle, as as you want to call it. He has a little wiggle <laughs> in this game. And so I think that he can be the guy who can handle the ball and get to the rim. But if, if you do a kick out, if you're passing around the top, he's there for a spot-up three. Um, is, that, is there anybody that you really see that you might be able to compare his game to? And I know we don't love doing that, but um, – it's all it's all over the board with him. I haven't found a direct comparison. Not to say that he's like an outlier player. He's not that. Um, but to me, he's a little bit smaller Cam Johnson if I was going to compare him to anybody. Just because of the catch and shoot. Um, just his ability on that end, I think, is most comparable to what Cam Johnson gives the Suns. I like that. Uh, he's definitely an athlete, and I know that the Grizzlies have a lot of those players, but I think he is a much better uh, Marjan Beauchamp, and I know that that's a player that I, that's kind of been on the top of everybody's list of who you know the Grizzlies could get. I think he's definitely better than that. And so I would say if you put the two together, I would pick Jalen Williams 10 times out of 10 uh, over somebody like Marshawn Beauchamp. So, uh, anything else you, you have on Jalen Williams? Uh, I think this is the situation like Dalen Terry. I think you're going to have to be in the teens to get him. I, I think wow. that it's very likely by draft night that he is a fringe lottery pick. Like it would not surprise me if someone took him at 13 or 14. I would. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I think likely is 17 to 20, realistically. So I think if the Grizzlies want him, I really think the Grizzlies are going to have to move up a couple spots to get him. Wow. Uh, all right, so I'm going to put the pressure on you, and I know this is, um, this is recorded, <laughs> so you can't run. Can we get a Grizzlies <laughs> draft board before the draft? Ooh, like what? You want their best fits at their draft position or just the best players I would take or the, rank best. the players that we've talked about? No, I want you to give me your draft board and let's say one through whatever, whatever number you want to go to, at, le at, at least, like I would say at minimum 20 people, max 30 people, 30 players. I know we've kind of started kind of doing this, but between 20 to 30 players, because you have to add the guys like, you know, Paolo and Chet and all them, because weirdly enough, let's say they're there. You have to take them, right? 
But we can figure out something. <laughs> I don't know if you have something you want to figure out where we just put like an asterisk. These players, and name them, were left out due to they're not available and the Grizzlies cannot jump that high. You want to do? We can do ten players because there's no way the Grizzlies are getting into the top ten. If that happens, it is what it is, right? So let's say we take out ten players that we have consensus agree on, and we have to, and we cannot include uh, Jalen Dern because I don't think he's consensus top ten, and we already covered him. So I think we should include him somewhere in there. But let's say okay. we do ten players off the board, no matter what, we can't jump that high to get them. And then twenty people. We'll give our we'll give the listeners a twenty player big board. We'll actually put it out into an article type, or just like maybe some kind of a um, uh, design or whatever we can put out uh, to where you can just see twenty people on one little screenshot of who the players are. Deal? Yeah, yeah. I think I could do that. We'll get uh we'll get twenty guys and rank them in how you know best. Best available, quote unquote. No, no. I should say for the Grizzlies. It's very simple. You are King Kleiman. We have Ryan <laughs> Kleiman. Ryan Kleiman, King Ryan Kleiman, is is calling the shots that night. And obviously, you can't make trades. But let's say that every player could be potentially there, and we need to follow your list because. Uh, King Kleiman is sick, and we're following your lead for the night of the draft, <laughs> and we need you to just give us your board. So that's how we're doing it. Who would you draft ahead of somebody else? It's that simple. Got but it. I'm glad. I'm glad this was we'll recorded. I love it. I love it. All right. <laughs> Last guy. Wendell Moore Jr. He's at a Duke. Uh, I'm a big fan of him, obviously, because I am a Duke fan. But I think that his game translates to the NBA so well. I would not have said that two years ago. I would not have said that last year. But I think this year, the the offseason that he had, I saw a little bit more growth than normal in a player that I've seen over the last couple of years. And so um, I think that Wendell Moore could be a really good NBA player, not because that he does anything great, but because he does a lot of good things. I think he can be a glue type player. So uh, what say you on Wendell Moore? Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest question that we come out of this is, is he good, but does he have potential to be great? And I think we'll have a good debate about that as we go. But um, I agree. He does a lot of things well, but not one great discernible skill, which is, you know, recipe for bounce around the NBA role player. Now the Grizzlies have had success taking players like this who are developed and formed into basically what they're going to be and putting them in their, you know, system and them contributing for them in a real positive way. So I don't want to say that he's like a potential fix or, you know, he puts the Grizzlies over the top, I should say. But is he going to be a contributing role? Um, because his defense, this is kind of the opposite of Jalen Williams. It's like his his role in the NBA is his defense right now. Um, he is basically a pickpocket. 
He has very active hands. They're very quick. He's always digging and searching for a strip on a ball handler and had really, really good numbers, just basically ripping the ball out of people's hands while they're trying to dribble. So he's a smart, you know, heady player. He knows how to play the role. He's been doing it for three years at Duke. Uh, pretty good navigator and pick and roll. Um, the thing about him is, is kind of like the going back to the DeLon Wright conundrum. Is he already what he's going to be? Is there more room for growth from Wendell Moore? And I think that's the biggest question for him. Is there a definite ceiling? Because I think you could have had the same kind of analysis on Desmond Bain coming out of the draft. Is what, Desmond was a four-year, three- or four-year starter at TCU? And it was like, well, he can shoot, but have is this like what he's going to be for his NBA career? And probably why he fell to us in the mid-20s. Um, but Desmond had a very discernible skill, right? Like he was going to shoot 42% from three. Wendell Moore does not have that skill. Um, and so what does he really project as a shooter because that's really what's going to get him on an NBA floor. There's a lot of guys who can play defense. There's not a lot of guys who can shoot the ball consistently. And that's going to be his role. I do not project and see him as a backup point guard. That's not how I see him. I don't think he projects that way in the NBA. He kind of had to play point guard by default for Duke this year because, I mean, they had, what was his name? Kerwin Roach, or I can't remember what Jeremy his first Roach. name was. but. Jeremy Roach. Um, Kerwin Roach might have played for Texas. I can't remember. That might have been a while ago. Um, but he kind of had to play point guard for by default at times because Coach K was kind of out on Roach on, you know, lulls throughout the season. Um, I think he's going to be an off-ball player. And obviously, if you're an off-ball player, we've already talked about it with these guys, is the big question mark is shooting. So he did improve. I mean, he came in as a freshman, shot 21%. And this past year as a junior, jumped it all the way up to 41% from three. But not at a very high volume. So I think he probably projects more to be an inconsistent shooter. And that's just basically his narrow stance on his shooting. Which, if you have a narrow stance... Typically, you're a little prone to be more off balance at times, especially on movement shooting. So he has a potential to be a streaky shooter. And I think we saw that at Duke sometimes, like when he got hot in games, like he was nearly unstoppable. But then if he could also have the opposite of that, where he cannot make anything. And I think a lot of that is balance, which obviously you'll fix an NBA with reps, potentially. Um, but I'm more interested by what he looks like off the ball as a shooter without elite size. I mean, he's 6'4 and a quarter with no shoes, um, seven foot wingspan, really good wingspan, 32 and a half inch, no step vert, solid 3.3 second sprint, which is a little slow for a guard. Um, that's why I wouldn't project him as being a backup point guard role. I just don't think he's an, 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 uh, a creator, initiator of an offense. I think he's going to be best suited off the ball, attacking closeouts. And really it's all about for him, if he's going to carve out a role in the NBA, 
is if, if he's going to have a consistent three-point shot. And that's my biggest question about him. I would not take him in the first round. I think he's likely a second rounder. But I would understand why someone in the late 20s, maybe a playoff team just looking for another solid role guy, would go for him. Um, so, yeah, that's my kind of thoughts on Windowmore. All right, so I'm going to read you somebody's um, numbers real quick. Um, oh, coming out of tricks, college. Like I tricked you? This <laughs> uh, probably isn't very tricky, but uh, six foot five, <laughs> 205 pounds. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr., six foot five, two hundred and sixteen pounds. This gentleman, um, he shot roughly thirty six percent from the three. Um, he was an eighty percent free throw shooter. You know, had four rebounds, two assists a game. Uh, you're looking at somebody like um, you know Wendell Moore, who I'm going to give you his last years because I think those are the most legit and they're the better numbers in all honesty, but. Uh, 41%, but he's 80 from three, 80% free throw shooter, five rebounds, four assists, so a little bit better. Like, those numbers are very, very comparable. He plays on the Grizzlies. Anybody in in general you can think of that he would compare to? Because his numbers from college, both of their college numbers are spot on. 6'4". 6'5". 6'5". Both 6'5". Both 6'5". Dylan Brooks? Dylan Brooks. He reminds me of Dylan so much. And it's it's mm. it's weird. Because he can be the player who gets to where he gets streaky and gets hot and and you see what probably he sees in himself. Like he thinks that he can be that type of a shooter, that type of a player. He's somebody that is just a dog on defense that uh, he has one of the, I think, the biggest wingspan differentials in the entire combine uh, just because he has, you know, just long, lengthy arms where he could, you know, he can poke those balls away. But he also does have, a, you know, closing speed at times. Um, and I do think that he has the athleticism, the the bounce uh, to be the guy who really could could play good defensively but also be a slasher to the goal. The only difference I think that they don't have is I, I don't think – Wendell Moore exactly is a, a black hole sometimes, and he's not as stubborn, <laughs> I don't believe, just from seeing his college game, uh, just seeing what Dylan Brooks is. But you're talking about the best of the best of Dylan, the best of the best of Wendell Moore. I think they're closer to comparable. Obviously, mm. Dylan's probably better right now because he is a true NBA player compared to Wendell Moore. But Wendell Moore is the guy that you get as a vet, that he can step into year one and contribute. The only questions I have is you already have a guy like D'Anthony Melton. You already have a guy, and yes, I'm going to say it, like John Conchar, who all do a little mm. bit of everything, but they don't wow you at anything. And because the Grizzlies already have those glue pieces, those Mr. Do-somethings, those a little bit of everything, yes, they get jitty with it a lot. There, There is... There's just something that scares me about having too much of the same type player, especially since these guys are, you know, under contract. So uh, are those good comparisons? And do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I get the comparison completely. I think it's fair. I think Dylan's probably a little bit um, bigger as in strength wise, obviously not in height, but he's more 
I mean, I hate to use the word barrel chested, but he's just thicker, right? Uh, and the only thing about, you know, I think what might give Grizzlies fan a bad taste comparing Wendell Moore to Dylan is them be like, oh, now I got to have two Dylan Brook type players on my team. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but that's the thing about Wendell is he, he has played a role, right? He's been, came as a freshman as, you know, a high recruit, I believe, and was expected to be a one and done. And he just wasn't. Came back sophomore year, probably should have been done after that. Nope, came back again. Um, and so he has proved to be in this role where he'll come in the NBA. He knows he's going to have to put in the work and get better. And he knows it's not about him. And he's just trying to carve out his piece in the NBA and get a contract. Um, so he fits the Grizzlies type mold with guys that want to come in and just work. So I I get why people would want him. I think a first round pick on him is too high. What about a top 30 pick? A first rounder? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just trying no, to spin it a different way because No, I know a lot I, of people I say I think he's I would say top 45. Um, I do not think he's a first rounder, but I would be shocked if he gets out of the top 45. Yeah. Because um, I know a lot of people put, you know, a lot of stock in first round pick, second round pick. Okay. twenty Pick 26 to 40, there's not much difference. Okay. There's not. The players that you can get at 26, the players you can get at 40 are fairly the same. It's just depending on who you know? Who do you like? What type of player do you need? Um, what position are you looking for? And so, and usually, what it is is these teams that aren't as good. They're coming back at the top of the second round, and they're still looking for potential. They're looking for those top potential players. So, you know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these players like a Wendell Moore Jr., who you know is really good, could step in and contribute in the first two years easily. And be a glue guy, somebody that would be in a rotation on a good team, depending on the fit, he would possibly get picked between 22 to, to 30, right? But if you make it out of the first round, and because of all these you know teams that aren't as good, they have those top picks again, you could slide out of the top you know 40 because 31 to 40 are teams that are looking for you know big swings because they have they have so many needs and they're not looking to win for the next you know two or three years so that's the only issue with that i think that he could easily get picked up in the in the bottom whether it's with the grizzlies or somebody else because i believe that these teams need players that are good teams they need players that they can depend on and they don't have two and three years these coaches that are drafting these gms they don't have two and three years if you're the philadelphia 76ers you're the Denver Nuggets, you don't have two and three years potentially. Like you could you could get moved on from because you have to win right now. That's why I think a player like Wendell Moore Jr. could go in the first round because who's there in the top of the second round? I'm not looking at the top of my head right now, but I don't know who's there that really says, eh, we need a player like Wendell Moore Jr. because he does a little bit of everything and he could help us win right now. I don't know if that's there. So I think he gets picked up between 20 to 30 
or he slides all the way into the 40s because I, I just don't think that there's people in the second round that really need somebody to win right now. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> this is just kind of a personal philosophy with Wendell. Like, I think Wendell is a good player. I think he, like, taking a guy that does not have an outlier skill that I can bank on and giving him a guaranteed contract in the first round is just not one of my things. I, like, it's with Dalen Terry. Like, if Dalen, I personally wouldn't take Dalen the first round, which I know would shock a bunch of people. I just don't want to guarantee a contract to a guy that I'm, I'm not sure what his definitive skill is. Besides, you know, in theory, he's a good defender. Um, Jalen Williams, I know he's going to shoot 40% from three. Like, that is his skill that I can bank on and why I would give him a guaranteed contract. Wendell Moore, I think, is a good player and will probably play in the NBA for a few years at minimum. I would much rather value him in the second round on a two-way contract. Uh coming into a very stiff competition wing rotation that lineup that's basically set unless there's a lot of upheaval this summer for the Grizzlies so I would not guarantee a contract to Wendell Moore I would live I would love him on a two-way and that's why I think ultimately a lot of these NBA teams are going to do is I think a lot of these NBA teams the first round is the guys with raw potential or have a certain skill set if you're good at everything not great at one thing you see a lot of them drop to the second round Um, but there is potential for a playoff team who just needs a body right to just kind of shore up a rotation they don't have the money to go out and spend all right let's take Wendell Moore at 24 because it's a lot better than trying to hope that you know, some random guy from overseas or something, or some freshman out of <laughs> Kentucky who, in theory, could be this in year three or four. Like you said, we've got to speed that window up. We need a guy that we can plug and play that's more ready now. So I think there's big variance for Wendell. I think there's, if there's a team that's looking for right now, he could go in the 20s. I personally believe that he's going to go in the 35 to 45 range on a two-way type situation. Wow. All right. Well, I, like I said, I, just looking at who's drafting in the top, you know, I, I don't know who in the world needs somebody that, that wants to win right now. So is it, you know, is it the Pacers who, you know, if, if he does fall the first round, Pacers, Magic, you could have somebody that, you know, the Toronto Raptors picking at 33, they could find, you know, value in a guy like that if they're looking to win right now. But then OKC, Magic again, and then Portland, who knows what they're doing? The Kings, the Spurs, that's probably a good spot for him. Maybe the Spurs, but they already have so many of those players. The Spurs need to figure out a direction instead of just getting really good players that they're tough to beat, but like, are they that good? So I, I think the Spurs need to kind of go for a swing. Um, and I don't know, but that's, you know, that's pretty much your top, your 10 picks in the second round. So I don't know. It's up in the air, but I'm excited about this whole thing. Um, I like this group of three. Uh, so who knows what's, what's going to happen, but this was probably my most look forward podcast and group of guys, because I was excited to (laughs) 
to give those three. Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing. I have a fourth guy, but oh, God. I, I was going to surprise you. I was going to surprise you with a fourth guy, but we've gone a long time on this. So I can save him for the final pod if you think we need yeah, to get out of here. You want to save him or go for it? No, let's save him because I was actually okay. thinking about our. So what I was doing is our like our second round uh, was going to be like the next podcast, but I think we might actually do something different. I think we might just do like uh, a bunch of different players and just going to fire off players, and you just give me what knowledge you have of them and don't, because there's a lot of people that are on draft boards that that the mock drafts and everybody's talking about. So maybe we just do rapid fire. Would that be cool? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great okay. to me because this guy is a second-round guy. So it, it would fit in with kind of the just, you know, firing from the hip, giving out a lot of names right before the draft. So Yeah. All right, well, I have a, uh, I have a hunch on who it might be, but who knows? <laughs> with you, it could be uh, Israel. You never know. Uh, uh, Kills Brown. <laughs> Harper Jr. <laughs> Sorry, I was just just reading the last three guys that I see on my list over what? here. Uh, but all right, so that's all That's all we have. Let's go ahead and give the fits real quick. I know we've been here a long time, but like I said, this is my more favorite one, and so I went longer probably than normal on my section, uh, and so I took some of your time from you. So uh, let's go ahead and give these three guys, give me the grades and how they fit with the Grizzlies. We're going to start off with Dalen Terry first. I think he's a seven because of the projection of what he'd be defensively and him being out in the open court. He fits kind of seamlessly into a second rotation role right away. Um, just the shot is just as what's in question. Uh, but mm. I, I, I think he's a, he, I think he's a player where, I would be surprised if you saw returns on him in year one or two, but the potential of him, this is a guy that you can swing on. The Grizzlies have kind of afforded themselves, like we said, the previous four other podcasts. Um, this is a guy that's a potential swing guy that could be a knock-it-out-of-the-park home run, but I'm going to give him a seven for now for what he fits, provides, if he were to play right away. Yeah, I like it, and the reason I like it, I had a seven on him as well. So we matched up on that one. Let's go to uh, Jalen Williams. Yeah, I'm going to give him an eight. And that's the catch and shoot potential I know is going to be bankable. Um, The secondary creation, attacking, closeouts. I I think he's going to be a really good creator playing with much, 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 much better basketball (laughs) players than what he played with at Santa Clara. The only reason it's not a 9 or 10 is because of just the tiny little questions I do have defensively. Um, And that's the only reason that keeps him from being a 9 or a 10. Okay. Well, guess what? I have my first 10. I love Jalen Williams. (laughs) I love his game. I think he fits this team in so many good areas. I think he can get better defensively. But I love it. He is my 10. My only 10 I've given so far this year. So uh, let's keep it moving. Wendell Moore Jr. Yeah, I think he's a 6. Because I'm just... (sighs) Jack of all trades, master of none. I'm not sure what that really adds to this Grizzlies team. That 
puts them over the hump or makes me feel like it would be a great pickup for them in the 20s. Okay. Um, I put him as a seven as uh, as put him as seven just because I think that he is a a good player and I think that if they figured out his position as being the backup point guard, dude, I think this is a slam dunk because I've seen his ball skills, I've seen his passing skills. He can hit the open shot. He can be the guy who can dribble. Use the he he's very good at the pick and roll. If you were bringing somebody up, good pick and roll, I think he'd be somebody who could run the pick and roll really well with a guy like Brandon Clark. And so I think that throwing lobs up as he did to Mark Williams, that's really where his game kind of took off, where he had the ball in his hands more and he was able to do all that. So I like Wendell Moore with a seven. So uh, what number did you give Wendell Moore? Six. Six. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to verify. All right. All right. That's all we have. So you gave... Dalen Terry a 7, so did I. You gave Jalen Williams an 8. I gave him a 10. You gave Wendell Moore Jr. a 6. I gave him a 7. So um, all good so far. I like the numbers. I do have one more question. As I said, we have the best bet section coming out. Who who will be drafted first, Blake Wesley or Dalen Terry? Your odds, Blake Wesley, minus 150. Dalen Terry, plus 120. Who gets drafted first? Dalen Terry. Wow, one twenty. I like it. Yes, yes. Right. I I am. I, I'm just putting it out there. Any of these, uh, I think Jalen and Dalen, if they're listed when the lines come out, whenever they come out. I know some have started to trickle out, but not all. Um, all when lines start trickling out, you know there's general info, quote unquote. Uh, but that can change very, very quickly. Just ask the NFL draft people that play those props. Um, I'm not an NFL draft guy, but I play the props, and I'm not on the inside. I'm not really on the inside in the NBA, but there is info to where they set those lines. You know there's at least chatter that they're going in that range. Um, but if either Dalen or Jalen, <laughs> got to keep those separate, if their lines come out, and they're in the mid-20s, smash the under. I think both of these guys are gone before 20. Okay, I like it. Um, real quick, did we did we crush the NFL draft this year in a betting, uh, betting chance, whatever? I think I... I can't remember. I think I either broke even or just won a little bit. It wasn't a lot, but I had a lot of plays. (laughs) Yeah, you you had way more than I did. I crushed it. I I remember what we were doing together, um, and I bet a lot less than you did on it, but I crushed it. Uh, I think I hit on um, 80% of my picks, which was awesome, but we're going to crush this too. I just went ahead and put in my bet for Dalen Terry. Uh, The A.J. Griffin bet, as I talked about earlier, I think I said like minus 130 or minus 135 to be a top 10 draft pick. Well, it's officially at minus 165. So going in the right direction, uh, it's, it's definitely moving. And everybody here is listening to the Grizz 901 podcast to get your best bets. But, uh, but we're going to be out. The 22nd, I believe, will be the day that podcast comes out. So we'll make sure we have all of our best bets. Um, and it might be a weird time when it comes out because we might have to see some more lines as they trickle out. But if they're all out, for the majority, then we're going to be able to pull the trigger and release the podcast on the 22nd, the day before the draft. That's all we have. This has been a fun one. My my most favorite one so far. 
You have a great week, Ryan, and the rest of you knuckleheads have a great week too. Be nice and tell your friends.